Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. Blessings. Yeah, thank you for, uh, you know, breaking the language barrier for us. Uh, spurt. I've never even been aware that we say spurt, but there you go. I, I do know that in, uh, in I'm, we're from Northern Ireland, and in Northern Ireland, we, you know, faith is a two-syllable word, right? You know, it's not faith. 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 So, um, we, we know that we definitely get quizzical looks at times for that. So it's just a real honor to be here. Um, do pray for us. We, I mean, it's not true. San Diego does have winter. This year it was on a Wednesday. <laughs> and, I, and it got down to a chilly 55 degrees. So please, please pray for us. I remember Steve Shogren, who's an old, old vineyard guy, he said when he moved from Cincinnati to uh, Florida, he said the decision he made was that he no longer wanted to live in a place where if he, if he was locked out of his house in his car, he could die. <laughs> so I'm here with a message from the Lord to just say, you do have options. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to live like this. <laughs> Yes, we had one day of 79 degrees. Hallelujah. Sorry. Yeah, we were in Chicago for 19 years, so uh, we're just enjoying not being in Chicago at the minute. So that's, that's great as much as we love it. So um, yeah, I'm here to rebuke you all today. No, I'm not. <laughs> That'd be fun though, wouldn't it? But I, I, I'm. You know, I don't know what stereotype you have of the Irish or the British or anything like that, but I, I might break a couple of them today because I want you to know that we're a little bit paranoid. Like, I don't, I don't know if you know that about the Irish, but we can be a little bit paranoid. So if I'm, if I'm preaching and you're quiet, I think you're, you're conspiring against me. I think you're making up a plan to sort of like, you know, overthrow me or something in the hallway. So I would love it if I could have, you know, some feedback. Exactly, you know? Now, hold on. If, if, that, means, if that means someone needs to, if I'm doing really badly and someone has to say, help him, Jesus, right? That's okay. I'm, I'm totally okay with that because I think Jesus will help me, all right? So I just want you to know that I'm completely okay with you giving me immediate feedback. Because if you're all quiet, I think they're, they're going to take me around the back after this. And they're going to take me around the woodshed and I don't know what's going on. So um, one, of the, one of the things that, that I'm obsessed with is, uh, is, um, is warfare. I, I'm kind of obsessed with it because we're singing songs about victory all morning, right? We're singing these songs about victory, and yet some of us have taken a beating. Why, 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 why? Like, why are we taking a beating? Why are we actually getting beaten down? What is it that's going on that causes us to sort of be defeated? 
Like, I'm not saying that trouble doesn't come, right? Trouble comes. Jesus said, in this world, you will, listen, I'm, I'm not just speaking this over your life. I'm not, I'm not just going to speak this over your life, right? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speak negative over your life, but Jesus did. In this world, you're going to have trouble, right? You're going to have trouble. It's going to be hard. You're going to have what I call your wet Wednesdays in November, I was 11, my dad got buried on a wet Wednesday in November in Ireland, and I couldn't go, my mom wouldn't let me go to the funeral. And I call them my wet Wednesdays in November because there's days that just are awful. In this world, you're going to have your wet Wednesdays in November. But don't be dismayed, don't be fractured, don't be all over the place, for I have overcome, right? So there's, we're not living from this happy, clappy, everything's going to be amazing every day place. We're living from a place of like, sometimes it sucks. But don't be overcome, right? Don't let this suckiness of today define your entire existence, right? Like the purpose... Can you imagine building a house on a rock? Can you imagine building your house on a rock and the purpose of building it on the rock is to avoid storms? That's stupid. Right? If you don't believe in storms, if you don't believe your life has got any storms, you're not building it on a rock. It's hard to build on a rock. If you, don't, if you believe that life is all airy-fairy and butterflies and daisies and dancing through meadows, you're going to build your, your house on the sand because it's way easier. But, but Scripture says, don't do that. Don't build it on the sand. Build it on the substance. Build it on the rock because you wanna, you're, you're, not, you're not doing this to avoid storms. You're doing, doing this so that once the storm has come, you're still going to be standing. Storms come. They're not an indication of the return of Jesus. They're an indication that Jesus was actually passing through and said, hey, storms come. Listen, I tell people all the time, I think I've told you this one other time, if you're ever in a conversation with Jesus and he invites you into a boat, you need to say, hard pass. (laughs) No. I am not getting into a boat with Jesus, just to be clear. His track record on the water isn't great. We're going to die. We're going to die. He's sleeping. Don't you care, right? He's sleeping, right? Come on, we'll go for a boat ride. No, no, no. You know what? We're going to go on a boat ride without him this time. That'll be better. He's back there, just healed a bunch of people, just fed a bunch of people. So we're going to go on the boat without him. And he's like, what are you doing without me? And he comes walking in stormy water, right? He's he's like, come on. Let's not do that, right? So storms come. This This is about preparing a people that are so fixated on the fact that we have won that when we get a temporary setback, we're not thrown. Even if that temporary setback lasts more than five minutes, if it lasts a day or a week or a month or a year, we're still not thrown. See, the enemy wants to isolate people. I don't know if you know that. 
it's a real tactic for the enemy. You understand that the underground church all over the world, whether it's in the Middle East or whether it's in China, you know that they are not struggling to not meet. They're not paying a price so they can't meet. They're actually paying a price so they can gather. Right? They're prepared to pay a price so they can gather. Meanwhile, you know, the American church is like, well, I'm not sure. Should we gather? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is it right? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe someone will condemn me for it. I don't want to be condemned. I don't want someone to go on my Facebook page and say, where's the masks? I don't want that to happen. Right? Meanwhile, meanwhile, there is a church of believers in other countries that are prepared to die just for this. Just for this thing here. Because when we are gathered, there is power. This, this, is what the, this is what the enemy wants people to believe. So I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. They want people to come in and say, hey, because I'm not that, I don't belong. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And I would guarantee some of us, almost all of us, have experienced that at one point. You know what? I just don't belong. It's a lie. Welcome home, people. You belong. You're with family. And the other thing is actually, you know what? I don't need you. I have friends and we meet in Starbucks, right? <laughs> and we have church in Starbucks. It's, it's in Scripture. It, it would be wrong for an eye to say the hand, I don't need you. And equally wrong if the head said to the foot, I don't need you. It is wrong for people in the body of Christ to say, I don't need you. I can do it fine over here. Here's the problem. It's the banana that leaves the bunch that gets eaten, Right? What, what, what the enemy likes to do is he likes to get people on their own right he likes to get people on their own as isolated as they possibly can thinking they're the only ones and it takes Yahweh to come along and say there's 7,000 others Elijah I don't know what you're believing I don't know whose voice it is you're listening to but you're not the only one So we're in a war and we are using real bullets. Well, those bullets may not be 357 Magnums or 9 mils or, I like guns, sorry. Um, or f 40 caliber? What's with 40 caliber? I'm sorry, I don't get you Americans. 40 caliber. This is what it says in 1 Peter 4. Since Christ, though innocent, suffered in his flesh for you, now you also must be a prepared soldier, having the same mindset. What that, what that actually says is, hey, since you're going to go through the things that he went through, you should start to think like him. Start to think like Jesus. Let's, let's talk about scriptures, right? Let's talk about the scriptures that relate to how Jesus thought about unanswered prayer. Do you, know what, do you know the thoughts he had about unanswered prayer? None. Because he never had a prayer unanswered. He had, a pray, he had prayers in process, you know, like they would be one as you and I are one, they and me, me and you, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's, that's not the exact um, way it's written, but it's close enough, right? So he's got prayers in process, and we have prayers in process. 
But the notion of there being unanswered prayer is a lie from the pit of hell because my Bible says when two of you agree on a thing, it's going to happen. The problem is that what God does that he gives us the answer in a seed form to see what we're going to do with it. God, I want an oak tree. Well, this acorn isn't an oak tree. I wanted an oak tree and you've given me an acorn. That's useless. God, I'm praying for a million dollars, right? And you've given me a hundred bucks. That's not a million dollars. Or you've given me a million dollar idea that I have to work hard for. That's not a million dollars. It's like, God, give me patience, right? Not the opportunity to grow in patience. I just want the patience, right? <laughs> I, I want the answer to prayer in its full form. And God's kind of saying, I've actually given you the answer to prayer. I've given you the answers to your prayer right now. Can you steward them? Like, can you steward this acorn to make it into an oak? Can you do that? Is it possible for you to do that? And to do that, part of it is thinking like Jesus. Like, we got to think like Jesus and start to dwell on what is rather than what isn't. That's why we do the 50%. We will sell, listen, I can't heal anybody of 5%, which is why we'll celebrate the 10%, the 20%, the 50%, and not stumble over the rest, because we think like Jesus. We have to train our minds to think like Jesus. The, the problem is most of what we believe is not probably true. It's, like, no, but I understand. Nobody's walking around going, you know, I, I'm full of deception right now. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I am wonderfully deceived. Nobody's walking around like that. Everybody's so committed to believing their best form of darkness. Because we've got through, you know, it's, it's served, of this, served as this far. Listen, we are in a period of time in the church history that what has served us this far isn't actually going to serve us where we're going. We have to give thanks for, for believing those things because it got us here. But honestly, it might be time to just like put away childish things and start to think like Jesus, start to think like an overcomer, like start to think like someone who's not going to be tossed about by every little like wind that blows in their direction and be fixed, be a fixed people that says, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that I am the head and not the tail. I know that I am blessed when I walk out my door and when I come back in my door. I know that I am called to be a lender and not a borrower. Like, you, you under, like this is a bit health and wealthy gospel, right? Like, my goodness, what are you doing? I have people say to me, you know what, I think that's just the, you know, the power of positive thinking. And I go, you should try it. You might be more likable. <laughs> you might actually be more likable to the people around you, even if you would just try positive thinking, because that doesn't seem like a bad thing to me. Positive thinking doesn't, like, dwell on these things. Whatsoever is true, pure, noble, right? Dwell on those things. That's not positive thinking. That's thinking like Jesus. Like, Jesus, let me, let me wonder, wonder if I can read this out. Psalms 118, I, yeah, I've got time. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy is everlasting. Let Israel say his mercy. That word mercy is actually hesed. 
which you shared last night with us or the night before. It's this word heseth, which there is no English interpretation, but in a sense, it is this ancient perpetual love. I like that. Oh, let the house of Aaron say his mercy is everlasting. Let those who fear the Lord say his mercy is everlasting. From this, this is Jesus, right? This, Jesus actually sang this at one point. Um, and Jesus is singing this psalm at one point, and he's singing, from my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and put me in an open space. The Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in noblemen. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. They surrounded me. Yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished like a fire of thorn bushes. In the name of the Lord, I will certainly fend them off. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shining and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord performs valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord performs valiantly. I will not die but live. Someone needs to say that to themselves today. I will not die but live and tell the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not turned me over to death. Open the gates of righteousness to me. I will enter through them. I will give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I will give thanks to you for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. A stone which the builders rejected has become the chief's cornerstone. This came about from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please, O Lord, do save us. Please, O oh Lord, do send prosperity. Jesus sang that. Jesus, Jesus, so let me tell you when he sang that. That is one of the psalms that is sung at Passover. It is normally, traditionally, the fourth song that is sung at Passover. And it says that Jesus took the fourth cup after Judas betrayed him. And he took the fourth cup and he sang this song. This is Jesus on his way to the cross saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is thinking like Jesus. That though these present troubles come, I will not be overcome because I trust in one who is greater. I have never seen as many Christians afraid of dying in the last 18 months in my life. But... But what God has done is God has actually called the people that say, hey, I believe, it. I believe that there is more. I believe that this is not the end. I do not believe the report of the enemy. I am no better than my brother or sister who believes this. But I am steadfast in knowing that the Lord is good, yes? Please, O oh Lord, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Think like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10. I'm going to read this from the, the Passion Translation. I hope it's the Passion Translation I have. Yes, it is. 
First, or, sorry, Second <laughs> Corinthians 10, verses three to four. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using Facebook to achieve, sorry, using, <laughs> using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are, what do you hear this? This is beautiful. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. You know, you know energy's so important? Listen, I know I'm so cal right now, okay? So good vibes. You, you know the whole good vibes thing comes from the New Age movement where they talk about vibrations and energy? Do you, you know that's a counterfeit? Like, that's not the real thing. You know in Genesis where it talks about the spirit brooding over the waters? Do you know the Hebrew word for brooding is? You know what that Hebrew word is? Vibrations. This is the notion of the Holy Spirit, like vibrating. Vibrating and creating, of creating everything from these vibrations. It's why your energy matters. There's also some, some scriptures which I'm not going to go into today where I have a, I have a secret sect that, we're, that Annie here is part of online and Kristen's part of and, and all that. We do this training for, we call it the Daniel Company, so <coughs> I'm going to reserve it for there. But this whole notion of what energy you bring re- really matters, right? Whether you're bringing it to worship, whether you're bringing it in here to church, whether you're bringing it into your work, your family, the energy that you're giving really matters. And it matters more because you're actually an ambassador of heaven. Yes. Like you're supposed to have the energy of heaven. Yes. We're supposed to be like approaching or praying for the sick with the energy of heaven. Not, not the energy of the diagnosis. Right. Not the energy of a bad report. Not the energy of, a, of looking at your checking account and realizing, oh, good Lord. Right, we're supposed to be doing this with the energy of heaven. We're supposed to be saying, hey, I know, you, you understand, I know he doesn't wake up. I know he doesn't, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. I get that. But you know that Jesus didn't wake up this morning going, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> anybody, anybody? R- Raphael, have you any suggestions what I should do with that? I don't know. Michael, Gabriel, anyone? Come on, someone have an idea. We're going to brainstorm. I'm going to whiteboard right now what we're going to do for that person's situation. No. No, our energy has to be that I don't know what this is right now. I don't know what I'm going through, but I do know that I need you to be this for me right now, Father. I know that I need you to be Jehovah Rapha for me right now. In this season, I need you to show your loving kindness. In this season, I need to know that you are my banner, that you're fighting for me because I can't fight anymore. I'm done. I need to know you as the Lord, my strength, right? It's not that there's no place. Like, ah. Let's stay here until next week, and I'll tell you everything I, I think you should know, all right? Like, I, I'm not a determinist. Just so you know this, I'm not a determinist. I do not believe that God has a plan for your life. I don't. No, nobody's, nobody's lighting the torches. Nobody's lighting the torches and getting the pitchforks and like, well, what about my destiny? What about my destiny? I'm predestined to my destiny. No, no you're not. Noah had to build an ark. Nobody built the ark for him. 
He got to decide whether he was going to build an ark. This isn't like a fait accompli thing. This is, you get to decide whether you're going to partner with the best that God has for you. But it says God has a plan for my life. Where? You're going to quote Jeremiah, right? For I know the plans I have for you. There, there's, now, that's plural. The last time I looked, that was plural. And it even explains what those plans are. And, and for me, I look at that and go and say, hey, if I want to be a rock star, then God's plans for me are actually to prosper me and to give me a future and a hope. And like if God's plans for me are this, I'm going to dip into the qualitative nature of God's plans rather than assuming that I've blown it because I was on this train track of God's plan and somehow I've blown it because my wife divorced me my kids are rebellious, something happened to me, and I can no longer do what God's called me to do. What utter nonsense. Do you read the people in Scripture? Like, do you know who they are? Do you know who David is? A, a man after God's heart, right? You know, I love, I love, so I'm going to stand up here like I'm, I'm a worship leader. You guys are awesome. Rachel's absolutely right. We brag about the worship in this house. Even though it's nothing to do with us, we tell people, should really go to Northgate. It's awesome. <laughs> we do, honestly. We, we do. We tell every, we travel all the time. We're like, yeah, Northgate's worship's pretty special, right? So I'm, I'm certainly not, but there's this movement in the church, like we're going to have the heart of David worship, Absolutely. right? We're going to have the heart of David. It's like, David, <laughs> it's like, I'm not getting naked. No, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, it's like the heart of David and, you know, and, you know, again, I'm an old vineyard guy, so for me it means, isn't he beautiful? You know, it's all that kind of stuff. It's like the heart of David that we all love. It's the heart of David. Listen, the heart of David is someone who cuts off a giant's head and said, this is for my king. That's the heart of David worship here, right? This is, this is not some namby-pamby sort of little group that's coming together to sing boyfriend Jesus songs. That every, every, listen, every man in here knows exactly what I'm talking about, right? That's a bit uncomfortable, I'm saying that about. Sorry, sorry, that, that might be too much. Like this, this is about... This is about understanding that even the heart of a, of a shepherd, like the heart of a shepherd leaves 99, going, where'd, where'd my shepherd go? I don't feel very pastored right now. <laughs> Ronnie! <laughs> right, because this is the heart. The heart of a shepherd kills lions and bears in preparation for killing giants. This is like the people of God, and some, sometimes I think we've gotten a little bit soft because we're just not thinking like Jesus. Like, Jesus, Jesus listen, can you imagine it? You're, they're all coming to kill me, right? They're all coming to kill me, and on the, they're looking for me, and I just decide to disappear. That's what he did, right? Whereas we'd be like running around sort of starting Facebook groups and you know, social media campaigns and telling everybody how wrong they are, right? But we're, we're not doing this. We're actually energized with divine power. What if you actually, it looks like you're bringing the energy to, to the party, to your life, 
not the energy of passivity and waiting on God opening up doors, but you're actually bringing the energy that is, that is infused with divine power to demolish stuff that people hide behind. And you know that that's done from a place of love. It's not done from a place of like, you guys are horrible. That doesn't work. Using the enemy's, like, you can't use the enemy's weapons for the kingdom. Like we have to use the kingdom's weapons for the kingdom. We can't use hatred and division and all that. We have to use love and encouragement. Like you understand that your number one job in life is to encourage the hell out of people. Right? Like that's your number one job. You, you, know, you, know, when you're, you know when you're in the, you, the line for the post office or the grocery store and everybody's afraid of you? What about instead of getting offended, you started to encourage the hell out of people? You're a great mother. You have been an amazing mother during this season. Man, this has been a tough season for all of us, but I just see that you're being a great mother in this season, and you're looking after your kid. Like, just encourage the hell out of people. The enemy's terrified of you doing that. Bringing the right energy into the room. SoCal, baby. We can demolish. <laughs> Carry my surfboard. We can, de- we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow, the, bow, sorry, that it, that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. And since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as you choose complete obedience. Now, that's not punishing other people. That's punishing you. That's punishing your thoughts. This is about you bringing your thoughts into captivity because you've got the energy and power to do so. Sometimes that means you don't listen to the news anymore. (laughs) the word of the Lord (laughs) Ephesians 6 again the passion verse 10 now my beloved ones I have saved these most important truths for last listen Ephesians is a fascinating it's my favorite book in the entire canon you know, I talk about less efficiency and more efficiency. Um, <clears throat> like, you know, I, I just love Ephesians. I love, you know, that, that Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 is the only verse in all Scripture that contains all four Greek words for power. It's, it's, just, it's just a beautiful book. It's just, and, and Ephesus is, is one of these fascinating places for me because Ephesus was one of the, it contained one of the seven wonders of the world, which is the temple to Diana. It was the center of the occult um, in the known world, Ephesus. They had something like a thousand altars in this temple of Diana for people to do their blood sacrifices. This, this was darkness. You know, central Ohio is very dark. Try to arc, but you know, it's where churches come to die. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Ephesus. Right? Ephesus. 
The main business is actually all to do with the Temple of Diana. And the second main business is, is silversmithing, that people would, would buy silversmith stuff. And there's actually one of the silversmiths opposes Paul and his ministry because all the silversmiths lost their business because of Paul. And Paul comes to Ephesus and he starts this school of supernatural ministry. Uh, my word's not his. And he has this school that's going on. And uh, it says all of Asia Minor were turned upside down within three years. I think, well, two years. Two years. Like they'd all heard the gospel within all of that continent that everybody had heard the gospel within two years. And it, I promise you it wasn't done with a, like a program of you know, track distribution or anything like that. It wasn't make sure every house is covered. It was just people that were on fire. It was burning ones. And uh, this place in Ephesus, it was full of the occult. It was the place where they had to burn their books. The, the books that they're burning, these, um, I won't tell you the name of them, but because if I tell you the name, some of you will Google and then go down a rabbit trail and it's not worth it. So they would burn some of these books. Some of these books are were are estimated based on some of the current books that are around. Some of these books that they burned uh, were very historical. These are the spells that work. These are the potions that work. These are all those. Some of them are they're estimated in, like today to be worth about, a, in today's money, about $100,000. And they're burning them. We'd be like, well, maybe we could donate them to, <laughs> to eBay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're burning their books because they're saying, hey, no, no, we've found the real power. Like, we've actually found the real power. Um, it's interesting, it's interesting as, a, as a mystic and, people, and someone who dips his toes in the sort of like mystical stuff that we're actually, the church itself it believes more in the power of the enemy than it does in the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, we, 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 think of, uh, we think of, like, black magic signs and all of this kind of stuff. I was driving behind a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he had the, he had the sigil, um, the sign of the Church of Satan on his back window, and he had another thing that I know what it is, and I'm like, okay. So I'm going to sit there, and he's at the, we're sitting in the parking lot. I, I have a little convertible, and I'm sitting in the, conver and it's San Diego, so it's like 80 degrees. And I just thought I'd rub that in. It might, in fact, it might have been February, 80 degrees. Mm. I, I, did, I told Chris, I, I was part of a men's golf league in Chicago. We played 12 weeks of the year. I'm part of a golf league in San Diego. We play 52 weeks of the year. So, Again, you do have choices, people. You don't. So I'm sitting behind this guy, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to grow in my sort of awareness of, of some stuff and my creation of some stuff. So I'm sitting behind him, and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, let's do a little experiment. Um, and he's just sitting smoking at the traffic light. And, and, I, and I do this thing, which is basically trying to expand my presence filled with the Holy Spirit. I won't tell you how it's done, because then there's no point right now. But I, I try to sort of expand my presence, and it's like a little bit of a sonic boom that goes out. And, and I did this kind of thing, and this sonic boom comes back, and he's like. <laughs> fixing his mirror to look to see what's going on. I'm like, and, I, and I'm driving past him saying, hi. <laughs> <laughs> hi, have a great day. You know, all of them. and he's like, what's going on here? This is weird, right? And, and we kind of believe that what happens is that we come under their influence. 
Well, you can do that if you want. You're 100% free to do that if you want. I, however, choose to not do that. I want, I, I am actually possessed by the occupying authority on this planet. I am possessed by the Holy Spirit. Like, the, there is no territorial spirit, spirit other than the Holy Spirit. You understand that? Which means everywhere we go, we're carrying the territorial spirit, right? The earth is the Lord's and, you know, all that is within belongs to Him. So, He may be the prince of the air, but honestly, you can keep the air. I'm actually just going to possess the land. I'm actually going to do that kind of stuff, right? So, anyway, this is what we have. Now, my beloved ones, I've saved these most important truths for the last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing in and through you. I am going to read that again because some of you might need to stand. Like, they, like there's something in it that is just like this. This isn't standing. That's my teenager stance, by the way. <laughs> you know the you know the teenager stance where their arms don't actually work. They've lost control. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to read this out, and some of, us, some of us need to own this, you know. Stand victorious with the force of His explosive power flowing in and through you. This is actually how we're supposed to stand. Remember, it's going to tell us how to stand. So this isn't just standing. Yes, this is standing with swagger. Like, this is standing with an attitude. This is standing saying that I am a victor, yeah. right? I am not a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I'm not just going to stand. I am going to stand with the force yeah. of his explosive power flowing through us, flowing in and through us. Put on God's complete set of armor. You know, I have people saying, I put on God's armor every day. Put on the armor of God every day. I have a better suggestion. Just don't take it off. Well, you, you, you might need to tighten the buckles a little bit, but you know, you might need to make sure those shoes are on properly. But honestly, go to sleep with it. It works way better. You might actually sleep better. And if you wake up, you know, having slept in, you don't need to go through that. Okay, I put my helmet on my belt. You don't need to go through all that. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you, listen, did Jesus win an absolute victory? Yes. Is the enemy defeated? Yes. Was he paraded around like, you know, it says in Colossians 2 that he was paraded naked around the streets as a spectacle that of his complete defeat, Right? but we're still fighting. We're still fighting. But our weapons are, are you know, the, what's coming against us isn't what we'd expect. So put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. The evil strategies of the accuser. What is accusation? It is a spoken word. Accusation is a spoken word or possibly even something posted on social media. But it's a spoken word. Listen. I sound like Lacey right there. Listen. We have been, we, 
not all those people out there, we have been involved in enough accusation over the last 19 months to do as a lifetime. We are actually empowering an enemy the minute we accuse someone of being weak or afraid or not like us. The spirit of self-righteousness is rampant throughout all aspects of the church. We're, we're saying, thank God I'm not like those people. That's the pharisaical spirit. Thank God I'm not like them. That's accusation. And even though the enemy has been disempowered, we're actually giving him our power. Power. Our power. That was very Irish. I said that very Irish. Like, we're actually empowering a defeated foe when we agree with what he would say. Because all authority is given to me, Jesus said. So if he's given all authority, the enemy has no authority other than, other than the authority we give him. Like, that's the very story of Job, right? The thing that I feared most has come upon me. Like, it's the fear that gives access. I could go into that another time. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. And because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. What's slander? Spoken word. For you are, listen, this is lovely. This is just lovely. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. I love the fact you're destined for all things. Just pick a couple. Pick what you want to do. You're destined for all things. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. This is not just a belt of truth so that you can go, well, I hope it's true. I hope this is a true truth. Right? This is so that you can stand in triumph. Again, there is an element of swagger in this passage that I think we need to, we need to get. Not pride, not arrogance, but swagger. Put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. See, what, what, what this double-edged sword in, in the Roman army allowed you to do was actually when an arrow got beyond the, the breastplate, got through the armor, it was small enough to actually get in and get that arrow out. That we confront accusation and slander by the spoken word of God. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not by hearing the Word of God. It's by the Word of God. Yes. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And that, that, word, that word for Word of God is rhema, which is this spoken, sorry, spoken, active, right now Word of God. Yes. Right? So, so we actually combat the enemy's schemes 
by just speaking Amen. the Word of God. Oh, my goodness. Imagine that. Imagine that everything that you say has got power, has the power of life or death. Imagine. Imagine that not being a new age truth, but it being a biblical. Oh, wait, it is a biblical truth. It is 100% a biblical truth that you can construct life or death by what you speak. This is the mandate on your life. You can, does anybody want to change the world? Speak it. Does anyone want to over, does anyone want to overcome in their own life? Speak it. But listen, you can't just, you can't just say, uh, I, I am destined for all things. Right? We're not doing this from that place of passivity. We're doing it from a place of triumph. We're doing it from a place of overcoming. We're doing it from a place of being infused with this energy from heaven, which means when we're speaking a thing, the energy we put behind it is really important. Let me give you an example. I could say, listen, I'm, I'm a little bit stupid. Because when I parked my car on Thursday in a parking lot in San Diego, I was picked up by this wonderful gentleman, and he said, have you got everything, keys, wallet, phone? Yeah. No, I didn't. I left my phone in my car in San Diego. A little bit, a little bit dumb, right? Now, if you, if you were actually going to be superstitious about that, you'd say, don't speak that over yourself. Listen, if you know me, you know I don't believe I'm dumb. I, I really don't. It might go to another ed. But anyway, I don't believe I'm dumb, right? Because it's not just about getting superstitious about what you speak over yourself. It's actually doing it with that energy. It's doing it with the power of intention that says, I'm, this stone needs to roll right? That, that the enemy, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to make sure that you're absolutely convinced that there can be no way out. So, he's going to roll the stone over your promise. He's going to make sure it's sealed. He's going to put soldiers around it so that you will believe the report and not actually what, what this divine energy through your whole being is saying. You're going to believe the externals and not, not actually what, what heaven is saying. Because once you tap into what heaven is saying, you can change the world. You can change your city. You can, imagine if you're actually going to walk around with the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, right? That's how I remember it. What does that mean? It means everywhere you're putting your feet, you're saying, I bless you. I bless this street. I am blessing this land. I am blessing this territory. I'm blessing this city. I'm blessing my family. This is the gospel of peace. I bring peace. And I'm not just doing it namby-pamby. I'm actually doing it with intention. Do you want to come up? This is Rachel, who you met earlier. No, but you're going to share this, aren't you? So just before we finish, I wanted to share a word. I had um, just been praying, I, obviously, when you were coming, and I wanted to I ask the Lord for a word for Northgate. So I just want to speak this over you, and 
and then Ian will finish up. Uh, I believe the Lord would say, well done. You've been faithful with all that I have given you, and I'm releasing a new favor on you as a church and as individuals because your call is to be a church that will not only impact this city, but this region and the nations. You have taken all that I have given you and not buried it, but invested it, and so I'm giving you more. I felt God was talking not only financial resources, but people, ideas, and creativity. I also believe that you will inherit a building. The sense I had was you were actually going to be given a building uh, or buildings, and that you are a house of restoration, and that you have said to God, we can take whatever we have and we'll make it good for the kingdom. You're not afraid of a challenge because you have proved God to be faithful over and over again. And the building will be a physical sign of what God is doing in the spiritual restoration and restitution is yours. Uh, I felt like this house will be a, the last stop for many. They will come after much wandering and will find you and will find a place they can put their bags down and they will find a home. I, hear the, I heard the words recycling center. You can see, because what I, I mean by that is you can see the value in what others don't. You're a house who will love people back to life. There is such grace and strength in this house to walk the long road to recovery because you understand the goodness of God and because of what God has done in your lives. Many will know my name and experience my glory because of what I'm doing among you. You will make my name famous and be a house that is known for my abiding presence, a house of signs and wonders and miracles, an equipping house, raising up many that will be fed, watered, healed, and then released into their destiny. Uh, Chris, I felt the Lord say, I have given you a place with keens and a wisdom that many will not be able to fathom that you're like a Solomon where people will come to you not knowing what to do and you will speak with such clarity and precision that will confound them and cause them to know and experience the goodness of God in new ways. You carry wisdom, you too carry wisdom, revelation, an incredible gift, gift of faith. Um, that scripture in Micah 6, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and walk humbly with your God? That, I believe, is the scripture over your lives. Um, you two bring the same heart to the lowest and to the most influential. God is making a way for you to have incredible favor. And I see you bring solutions, strategies, and pouring into leaders. You two are leaders of leaders. And you will have and will continue to raise a house of leaders. I saw you like Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah 2 and 12, when he says, I got up during the night and I, with a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. He went out by night and inspected the, the walls of the city. And in verse 17, he said, and then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told them that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me and also the words the king had spoken. Then they said, let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. And I saw you as Nehemiah did. I saw you look over the city. 
I saw you look over the city with the heart of heaven. And I believe the Lord, uh, that you have the favor of God to do all that is in your heart. I feel like when Nathan said to David, do all that is in your heart for God is with you. That's the promise of the Lord to you guys. God has given you a plan for this year, for the next five to 10 years, but also for the next 10 plus years. He is preparing you for such a time as, he has been preparing you for such a time as this because you have been faithful in the preparation. Laura, (laughs) my lovely friend, you are a prophet and a woman of prayer. You have, and when I sat with the Lord, Uh, the sense of his heart over you was incredible. You're a prophet, a woman of prayer. You have such a, you have placed such a high value for God's presence and for his friendship and much fruit is coming from that place. You are like Hannah. You do not give up until you see God's answers to prayer and you have really pleased the Lord with your tenacity and faith. Like Hannah, you will raise many Samuels. Uh, Those who will minister to the Lord and will be a company who know his voice. This is your inheritance. You are an overcomer. You have fought the lion and the bear. (laughs) You have taken out many Goliaths with your prayers. And your life has been a message of never giving up, but continuing to trust God and walking with him in every season. You carry such a deep well of grace and love that spills out to everyone who meets you, and you are so loved by the Father. So everywhere we go at the minute, and I, and I mean everywhere we go, uh, we're experiencing a, a something. So traditionally, my generation and above, so I'm 56, so my generation and above have sort of like resigned, and even, even in this even in the sort of like Bethlehem culture stuff where our ceiling becomes their floor, that we're prepared to go and resign and go off and go fishing just like Peter did. And, uh, you know, we're, we're prepared to do that for the sake of the kingdom. <laughs> and sometimes it's because we, we, we have unmet expectations, we've been disappointed, or we're just tired. And everywhere we're going at the minute, we're seeing my generation above saying, heaven no. That we're, we're actually not, we're not resigning, we are re-signing. That we're actually re-signing for everything because the Acts 2 move of God is not a young people's movement. Right? It's actually old and young. It's actually a multi-generational movement. And that doesn't mean bring the kids into worship just in case you're going to use that as an argument. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a multi-generational movement of people that are saying, I'm all in. I'm actually all in. So you don't have to be that. But if that's you, I want you to stand. If you're saying, I don't care if you're five or 500. Well, 500 would be unrealistic. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's just people that are, that are saying, hey, you know what, I'm I want to matter. Like, you, you understand that if my kids come to me and say, I want to matter, as a father, I'm not going, well, that's wrong. <laughs> right? It was my son's birthday last, last week, a week or two ago, and I was traveling, and you're telling me to hurry up. 
So, and, and I was traveling, and I bought him birthday gifts, and I couldn't wait to, to know what his birthday, how he responded to his birthday gifts, right? Does anybody ever experience that? And my son's 24. He turned 24, right? And I, you know, he asked for some stuff and said, you don't have to give me them all. Of course, I got him everything. And then I got him some other things that weren't on the list because I, I know him. Any, any other parents like that in here? Please, please don't let me. Any other parents out like that? Yeah. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? And it's not that you're evil, but just in comparison with Yahweh, you're kind of not all that, right? But if you who are evil know how to give good gifts, then how much more your heavenly Father? When we're saying, God, I want to change the world for the kingdom. I want to see legs grow. I want to see the blind see. I want to see the deaf hear. I want to see greater things, these greater things that have been promised. I want to see these greater things. And if it means I have to adjust in here, then let, let it be, right? Let it be done. I'm not going to hold on to these old things that are getting in the way. So let, we just want to pray over you. So God, I thank you for those that are re-signing. And God, I just pray for a supernatural infusion of divine power for courage and for strength. And God, I pray that every single man, woman, and child that's standing would no longer be a conqueror but would embrace the DNA that courses through them that they are more than a conqueror. That they're actually no longer content to simply overcome, but they are destined to be overcomers. That this isn't about one battle. This is about the Caleb spirit that says, give me my mountain. Like, give me my mountain, whether you're eight or 80, that says, I want my mountain. Give me something to fight for, Jesus. So, Father, we just, in the name of Jesus, we bless this church. We bless this family. And, Lord, we just release a fresh a fresh hope. We just break off any disappointment in the name of Jesus. We release a fresh impartation of hope and as Ian said, of courage to fulfill all that you've placed in our hearts. And Father, I just ask that this this church, that, that you would raise this church to have so much favor, so much resources, and uh, so much uh, capacity that people will go, Why? what's happening there? Lord, that this would be a beacon and a church of your hope that actually be a physical sign of what you're doing in the nation, what you're doing in the nations. And so, Lord, release a fresh impartation today in the name of Jesus of hope, faith, and love. In the name of the Father, we just release that today. So, Lord, bless us and keep us. Make your face shine upon us. Let us see your face, Lord. Let us see your goodness. Let us see your glory. Let your face shine upon us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.